Happy Monday. I am currently recording from Costa Rica. I'm still here and I never want to leave. So if I never return to the United States, you'll know where to find me. Um, But sadly, I have to go back on Tuesday and I'm really, really sad. But it's been just so lovely being here after what was a pretty tumultuous New Year's and, you know, then the fallout of that and the decision to quit drinking and you know move towards sobriety I I feel like this vacation was very necessary being able to hang out with my family members and um you know relax and read has just been so rejuvenating and just putting me on a really energized path for starting the classes next week and kind of carrying over uh, this, you know, new sober lifestyle into uh, my everyday routine because I, while so far cutting out alcohol hasn't felt very difficult or, you know, like I, I haven't felt the pressure or desire to drink at all. Um, I know that this is not reality. I am, you know, in a beautiful country and have like, and I'm, I'm surrounded by a very, it, safe people so um although I'm nervous about returning to Austin and and you know being pushed out of my comfort zone again uh, I am very thankful for this time as it I think prepared me for for doing that Uh, before I jump into this episode with Chrissy which was just so great to record um she is so awesome and uh, I found her on TikTok and I'm just so glad that I came across her content because every conversation that I've had so far um, with people who have been on the sober journey longer than I have has just made me that more excited to really embrace this new lifestyle, which is something that I really never, never, ever, ever, ever expected. Um, and I actually just finished the book, Quit Like a Woman, which was highly recommended by almost every single person I talked to once I decided to quit drinking. And um, I highly recommend it if you are thinking at all about cutting out alcohol from your life, Um, and especially if you're a woman or um, from a marginalized group, I just highly recommend reading Holly Whitaker's uh, book. It's really not just like inspiring, but it's really eye-opening. I think it what what the is most interesting about it is just how much we are kind of pushed into drinking by society because of the alcohol industry and basically you know you think that you have control over your alcohol consumption and then you know thus someone like me who has an unhealthy relationship with alcohol has you know say like a lot like no control or has lost control so to speak but reading quit like a woman really taught me that that's just not the case it's it's like so ingrained in our culture that we don't have much control over our decision to drink so 
um, just a quick plug for that book. I also, I read a couple of other books. So if anyone's interested in hearing what I've been up to or reading, um, I'm happy to share. But now I've been talking for four minutes and that's four minutes to take away from Chrissy. So without further ado, here is Chrissy Rodriguez. everyone and welcome to another episode of solace and the city i'm recording this officially eight days sober i think so that's exciting and i'm even more excited to be here with chrissy rodriguez who is a sober content creator and a new friend so thank you so much nfl and glennon doyle lover so i'm just so excited to have this conversation Hi, I'm so excited too. I know we started talking. I was just like, wait, I have like so many things I can already tell I want to talk to you about. Amazing. Um, well, to get us started, I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself. Where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Cool. Yeah, easy. Um, so I'm 33 and I'm currently in Fort Worth, Texas, which is pretty much where I grew up. I grew up in the um, DFW, which is like North Central Texas, if you're familiar or not. But um, yeah, I grew up in kind of a suburb and then stayed around here for most of my life. Um, I grew up pretty um, Texas, like Christian, evangelical, very, very strict. I grew up in a really... Um, uh, strict household specifically like when it came to especially alcohol that we're talking about my mom basically married my dad and said no alcohol will be in our house ever so we were really 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 strict um until i started kind of sneaking me and my sister both started like sneak around in high school and stuff but i always was really like black and white with it because um of my mom and and her dad was my grandpa was an alcoholic and so he he uh, ended up passing away, actually, because of like malnutrition, he would just drink himself to death. It was very sad um, and really lonely, kind of an angry guy. So I kind of grew up with a mom who was maybe like not really healed from that, just kind of uh, parenting from from surviving that. And so we grew up really, really black and white, really strict, really. This is how you have a good life. And this is this will make you have a bad life. And, and bad life could be anything from <laughs> witchcraft to tattoos to alcohol to Halloween, right? Like yeah. literally a lot of things are off limits for me. So um, I didn't, uh, I had a lot, I was in a very controlled environment for most of my life until I was able to, of course, go to college. And in my 20s, I really started to kind of do whatever I wanted all the time. And I, uh, I was a pretty strict rule follower just because I was really scared of getting in trouble. So I didn't party too much until I turned 21. And then I just kind of really started having full access to alcohol in a way that no one really had ever kind of kept control of me for. Um, I had my own place. I was away from my parents, stuff like that. Um, and especially into my my mid to late 20s, I ended up leaving Christianity and I left a whole bunch of friends behind and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where I met my husband. And there I kind of started a really what I thought was going to be like a really successful career. And I was kind of just building this this new version of myself, basically. Um, and I got really, really anxious and really my mental health kind of spiraled out of control at this exact same time. I'm like falling in love with my husband and things are going great there. So it was a, a very interesting time. Um, I was really, really busy. And so 
I kind of used that busyness as a way to mask my my really, really anxiety, my mental health that was going kind of crazy because um, I was working such a stressful job. And so I started to drink a lot every single night. I, I think I remember one of the first times I had never just like kept alcohol in my house um, mm -hmm. other than like my husband's liquor, but that was like for parties. Um, I never was someone who would keep it in a way like that I would drink by myself a lot. I would drink a lot, but usually most of my life it was always with other people, especially with my family. Yeah. Once my mom, once we all turned 21, everybody started drinking a lot. And so me and my family, that was a thing we did. And I never really thought to do it and do it a lot by myself, but I ended up kind of getting there because life was so busy. No one really noticed, you know? And so we ended up moving back to Texas. Um, so I didn't have a mental breakdown because <laughs> it was pretty bad a few years ago. And um, we got pregnant really quickly. And uh, after we got we got married and then we got pregnant and obviously you have to, you know, be sober to be pregnant. And it was it was not really a choice for me in the sense like, oh, this feels so great. I'm, I'm never going to drink again then. It was just what I had to do. But I do remember thinking like this actually does feel pretty good, but I'm pregnant. So it's probably it's probably not really like I'm, I'm going to want alcohol again, basically. And so after I had my daughter, I started drinking again and very quickly um, my relationship with it was just as bad as it was before. I kind of was hoping that the pregnancy would like reset me or something. I don't mm. know. Um, and so that was she's almost two and a half. And so when she was four months old, I told my therapist, you know, I think I'm going to do dry January. I think I need a break from alcohol because it was already to the point where I was drinking a lot every single night. And it was like, not really, I wasn't really taking breaks ever. I wasn't really like notice. I, I basically started to feel like I was living groundhog day kind of. I, I felt like um, I wasn't living in my body anymore. I started disassociating a lot. And I think that was something that I had probably struggled with as a child because my mom had some really intense issues as as when we were kids. And so I think I learned how to kind of separate myself from my body early on when I was feeling stressed out. Um, and new motherhood was so stressful for me that I just kind of started really being gone a lot. Like it was just like, it was not as present as I wanted it to be. And so I knew that there was a chance that alcohol was con <laughs> contributing to that, um, especially the way that I was drinking. Um, but I was really, really scared to not have it because um, it was just kind of everywhere. There was there was not a bone in my body that ever thought I would quit drinking. Yeah. I actually remember when I lived in Nashville, um, I followed this creator who is a food content creator. She she cooks and she quit drinking. And I don't remember ever seeing her drink a lot on her stories at the time, you know, and I just remember being like, like I unfollowed her off Instagram because it was like one of those soul moments that was like, hmm, she quit drinking. I wonder if you should quit drinking. And yeah. I was absolutely not ready for that um, decision. And when I saw her Instagram and she talked about how great going sober felt, I just couldn't, I couldn't follow her. I was like, nope, I, I, I can't do that. Like I didn't, I just didn't want to believe that my life could be good without alcohol. It just wasn't a belief I was ready to feel. And, uh, 
finally, though, I guess just the stress of motherhood and all of it. And also I had um, really noticed because there, I mean, the first like, you know, month of my daughter being born, I was still sober because like you're breastfeeding all the time and I was tired. I, you don't want, I didn't want to drink, but that month I still was around my family and it just, I started to have like kind of little eye opening moments, you know, when you start to think about things, um, when you become aware of them. I started to just notice how much we all drank when we were together. Um, my parents were at the beginning points of a separation. They eventually got divorced, but at, they started to really talk about it when my daughter was born. And I can remember how intense it felt to be around them and realizing like, oh, I'm drinking because of these family dynamics. Like this feels really intense for me. I'm drinking more because it's hard for me to be here. And so um, by December, we were on a vacation that was like, just really, again, obvious of that New Year's drinking. I was like ready for that break for dry January. I was like, I'm ready for a break from this. I think I just want to see what could happen. I just want to see what could happen with a month off. And um, it ended up now I'm two years. I just had two years on the second, I think. And so, yeah, it's just kind of it was one of those things where it was like, oh, I can do this. And then I just kind of kept doing it to see where I could go. And um, I've actually never talked about this before, but in March of like, I was three months sober or it was April and I was going to a wedding on April 3rd. And it was all my college friends, like my absolute favorite people in the entire world. But I knew there was going to be a lot of drinking. And I told myself, I was like, I give you permission. Like, if you want to drink, like you can, but like, know what will happen if you do like, I, it was a four hour drive. I had to drive to Houston by myself. I was away from my daughter, and my husband the first time. So like, if you're going to drink, you're not going to be able to wake up early. You're going to feel shitty. Da, da, da. So we get there and I'm like, okay, I had a, I had like an edible or a vape pen or something. I was like, I got to calm down because I'm like stressed about this. And I got there and I was like, I don't want to drink. I really, really don't want to drink. Okay. Okay. I'm good. And we were on a dance team in college. So we were about to perform. <laughs> and so they were like, okay, we have to all take a shot before we perform. And I like looked around. I was like, do you think like I literally have this conversation in my head. I was like, can you take this shot and like not drink anything else like ever again for the rest of your life? And I was like, yeah. And so I took the shot and then I didn't drink for the rest of the night. And I just <laughs> I actually noticed like 20 minutes after I took the shot, I felt more anxious than I had wow. before. It was like literally I felt it. I was like, oh, that alcohol like does make you more anxious it didn't make me feel calmer it actually like made me kind of hot and it didn't feel good it was like an immediate like my body and my brain like actually meeting up and being like i don't want more of that feeling i don't want to feel that way and i'm so glad that's not something i do anymore and so yeah i woke up the next day at like <laughs> 7 a.m and drove home and uh i have i have really never looked back in the past two years it's been um like uncomfortable and weird and awkward at times but like the discomfort of feeling sober among drunk people is way more worth it to me than the discomfort of the effects that alcohol has on me you know yeah wow thank you so much for your vulnerability and just for sharing all of that I have so many questions and follow-ups <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course it so for some context um one thing I, I can really I think a lot to your story, um, in, in certain ways. So for me, um, I was, I've always, or at least in my adult, re like adulthood, so to speak, 
wanted to reevaluate my relationship with alcohol. I growing up and when I say growing up, I mean like when I was in my teens, like maybe early, early twenties in basically before I could legally drink. I feel that I, my relationship with alcohol was healthy in the sense that I wasn't like yeah. a teenager getting blacked out or binge drinking. Yep. I was like the freshman who would remind all of her roommates to drink a lot of water and carb load yeah. before going to frat parties, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and definitely. then it, it wasn't really until my mental health started to deteriorate and just shit hit the fan my sophomore year of college when you know coincidentally I blacked out for the first time and I started um just drinking excessively with friends and um and that carried on until you know graduation and post-college and to a point where I think I I have the app now like I am sober and I looked at the first time I downloaded it and it was actually in 2020. So I've been thinking about reevaluating my relationship with alcohol for a while. Um and it wasn't and then I was planning on doing a doing a dry January this year and then New Year's Eve I classic, you know, like had to take it easy because I was going to a show with my parents the next day. I had to be pulled together <laughs> and every time you say I'm I'm only going to have one or two drinks every is time. when yeah, it's all over. And I just had the messiest night probably as in a, for in a very long time. And I was like, you know what, this is just I need to take a break from this until I feel that I am like in full mind body connection and in a better place, because clearly this is not helping my mental health at all. It's doing the exact opposite. Um, so all that is to say. I've decided to, you know, cut, like, quit drinking for the foreseeable future. And just from everything that I've been reading so far and the videos I've been watching, I've just, everything points back to this is the best decision I've ever made. And I finally love myself and I never look back. Yeah. So, A, that's given me so much motivation. Yeah. So thank you for, oh, for those videos. I'm so glad. And it's made me more excited than nervous, but it's also, you know, led me to so many questions because I think there's so much nuance in sobriety and I'm looking to explore that. So my first question, I guess, for you is, would you consider yourself in recovery? Would you consider yourself an alcoholic or just like, sober do you think there's a difference in all of those between all of those um and if so how yeah so you know i never called myself an alcoholic i never went to aa or anything like that the idea of aa just never sounded good to me and if it, it works for some people it just like i i from the very beginning was like you know i'm of course i'm just doing dry january i'm not gonna be mm -hmm. sober forever but even when i decided that i was Again, I have the, you know, background with religion that's kind of icky anyways, and AA, even though there's plenty of, you know, atheists and non-religious people in it, it had a lot of those overtones, and just at my core, 
I am um, just a little bit stubborn and I don't like being told what to do. So the whole idea that I have to follow your 12 steps, I was like, no way, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> because I think there's nuance to sobriety as well. I think there are some people that will find uh, maybe moderation in their life forever. They want to have a safe relationship with that in, in the same way that there are plenty of people out there who do recreational drugs once every now and then. There, I absolutely know people who do cocaine once every 10 years and that's fine with them because they have no like their stopping point just stops them and they're like see you later yeah i heard a statistic once that's like 25 percent of people will never get addicted to anything not even coffee like wow. so yeah so I good wish. for them i know right <laughs> literally same so good for them right so there are some people in the world that are going to have safe relationships with all types of substances and it's not my job to decide what works for people what i want to just you know bring attention to when it comes to this conversation is that like alcohol is a drug, you know? So like people who are addicted to cocaine are not coca cocaine-aholics. They are just people who are addicted to a, an addicting drug and alcohol is addicting, whether you are an alcoholic or a child of one or not of one, or you have no genetic history to it. Um, if you do an addicting substance regularly, you'll probably get addicted to it. That's just kind of the, just the core truth of our beautiful human bodies. And so I never really identified with this alcoholic term because I felt like there has to be more going on, right? Because it, and, and people in AA will tell you that too, there's more too, but for me, it always felt like alcohol, my drinking was a symptom of something else. Like I go to it the way I go to lots of things, the way I have gone to guys for attention or people for attention or the way I've gone to food or the way I've gone to so many different things. Like I know that this is just something deeper. And so I decided to read a book called Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker, who I just love. And she explores this a lot, much deeper, but she talks about how alcohol, you know, we use it as a way to escape from our lives. And it's not about like feeling all this guilt or anger around that. It's about wondering like, why do we want to escape? Like, what are we escaping from basically? And so, yeah, so that I identify as sober, technically California sober, because I have, a, I have a safe relationship with cannabis. I'm okay with it right now. If it's, if it's not later, then I'm okay with that too. I'm I feel at this point in my life where I just want to be honest about how things feel. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like so often it's like people don't want to say that alcohol makes them feel bad because they want to drink so badly, which I get. Like, I, I, I absolutely get. But like, I'm going to be honest, like, no, this makes me feel really, really badly. And this doesn't in the same way coffee doesn't. But like reality TV, I can't watch as much anymore. You know, like just just looking at at these situations as like, okay, this is what works. And this is what doesn't because I think so often when we quit drinking, especially like on the internet, I think people assume like, because I cut alcohol out, I'm some sort of like health nut. They'll be like, well, you're eating something with a lot of fat in it. I'm like, that's fine. Like, this, <laughs> like not doing a drug is not like a healthier and unhealthy choice. You know, it's like alcohol is like cocaine or like meth, like it's a it's a drug. So I, you can do that. And like, also eat whatever you want, like live your life. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I just, I identify as sober for, for now. That's, that's the title that I like. I don't, um, I think sometimes I like to say recovery, but it just feels different. I don't know. It doesn't, it, it's kind of one of those things that sometimes resonates, sometimes doesn't. I kind of like just healing in general. I feel like I have, um, I have some 
religious trauma, but a lot of like childhood kind of trauma and, and emotional healing that um, has really been helped by sobriety. Sobriety has really helped my brain, um, I feel like, because alcohol, does it, it's a neurotoxin, which I'm sure you know you've been reading. Um, it is toxic to our brain. And so it's not necessarily that it like kills brain cells, but it slows down the way that your brain can think. It slows down the speed in which it, it functions and continually slowing down over time makes you less, you know, makes it less likely to produce new brain cells, makes it less likely to to form new pathways. And you think slower. My brain fog when I was drinking was just like all the time, even if I wasn't drinking, it was just this constant. And so I feel like a lot of people drink because they have trauma or because things have happened to them. And then that drinking makes the work that you need to do even harder because yep your brain's thinking. So it's so hard to process all of it. And I think that was a, another big reason why I wanted to do dry January. Cause I was like kind of opening Pandora's box on my trauma. And I was like, we need a better way to deal with it. <laughs> that is so fascinating. And it, I love that stat you brought up about like the 25% because yeah. like, and I talked about this a little bit in um, my previous episode with my friend hope, but from a young age, like too young, <laughs> I almost predicted having an unhealthy relationship with food and with substances because I had OCD from a very young age. Like I very much have an addictive slash obsessive mentality when it comes to yeah. things. And yeah. even long before I eventually developed an eating disorder, I just was like, I remember like watching movies when I was 10, like perfectly, you know, content with my body and just being like, mm, I'm worried that that's going to be me. And then, yeah. you know, fast forward to college and lo and behold, I, you know, s start developing an eating disorder, not based on um, body dysmorphia in any way, but more of that control. Yeah. And then when it came to substances, I, again, like in line with that the, the depression that it increased and the anxiety that increased yeah. suddenly I couldn't just nurse drinks anymore. And yeah. it wasn't just one or two drinks out of party. It was just like, let's just keep drinking while the party's going. And then waking up, having anxiety and being like, why did I do that? Except doing it again. Yeah. And yeah. Because you're like, cause I, I want to be drunk. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was, it's so, it's so interesting to look back on because then I think of my dad who from the time we, I was little, he literally can, he like will order virgin pina coladas, like non ironically at beaches. Like he just doesn't like alcohol Yeah, and yeah. it's not for any reason other than that. He just doesn't, or like yeah. he'll have a drink and it will literally like he'll drink two sips of it. And I just remember looking at him and then uh, like, you know, in the past couple of years and when we go out and I was like, wow, I really wish I could do that. Yeah. But moderation is just not something yeah. that I can do at least yeah. for now. Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting how you say like, you know, you, you don't necessarily identify um, or connect with AA, but mm -hmm. it's ultimately, I think this process or like whatever that we've both you know started or have started and you've you know gotten very far in is is all about 
really being honest with yourself and saying, can't like, is this like, why do I want this? Is this good for me? Is this what I should be doing? Yeah. Which is, it's so hard for us to be honest with ourselves. I think (laughs) so hard. Well, because being honest with yourself, it comes with the fear of something changing. So Mm -hmm. if you're honest with something not working, then that means that something has to change and change is just terrifying. It's so scary, especially like, if you haven't done it in a really long time, or if you're already experiencing a lot of change and maybe alcohol is your constant, <laughs> you know, you're experiencing a lot of chaos and, and alcohol, even though it brings more chaos, maybe it makes you feel calm for a, a little bit. Like, it's scary to, to say like, oh, should I, is my relationship with this hurting me? Um, because if you, if you approach that question, honestly, like you, you're going to have to do something different. And that's really hard. I mean, I, I just, I think that's like the, it's so funny now. I'm so thankful to the version of myself that like chose to do this two years ago, but I think like, Oh my God, like I just wish I could hug her. Cause it was, it's yeah. so much hard. It's so much um, weirder in the beginning. It's, it's like so much like parenthood. If you haven't had kids, anybody out there, like when you start something new, it's, it's always like this. It feels like, there is no way I'm going to do this. Like, how could I do this? This doesn't make sense. I, But it's not because you can't. It's just because your brain doesn't have evidence of it. Your brain is is so beautiful and amazing, but it's still, you know, it functions as if we existed 100,000 years ago. So it's trying to protect you all the time. And if you've used alcohol regularly when you're nervous or anxious or depressed, it thinks alcohol is protecting you now. That's just, it's just gone to the primal part of your brain and said like, this protects us, this keeps us safe. And so you're going forward without a plan and that anxiety that you feel is like, how am I gonna do this? But you don't even realize like, your the evidence of your brain being able to do it is right now. Like you're like literally mm-hmm. living it. It just takes a little bit of time for you to believe that you're living it, if that makes sense. Like, absolutely. you know, like you, your brain has to be like, okay, we, we really can do this. Okay. We, okay. Okay. Like, it's just that being honest with yourself. I sometimes like have to, this is where I like <laughs> being a parent has actually just helped me take care of better, better care of myself is like when I need to, to be honest with myself, but also make like a change. I don't have to be like, hey, shithead, get better. <laughs> you know, I can be like, hey, this isn't feeling great. <laughs> um, but I get I get it. It's okay. Can we maybe try this? Like I can, we can really be kind to ourselves in these moments. Like you can, you can be honest that alcohol is hurting and be honest that maybe you're hurting. And so that's why you're choosing it and be like, okay, this, this, this is hurting us. And we recognize that we don't even have to say we're going to get rid of it. Can we just try some other strategies to help with that pain? Can we add in some other things to our toolbox? Because for me, I was like only coping with alcohol. I had zero other coping strategies at the time. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's like uh, what Glenn Doyle says about sit, like sitting on the mat and And just you kind of have to sit through it and think, you know, will alcohol like if I have a glass of wine, will I feel better? Yeah. Or is it just going to quick, like briefly mask what I'm feeling and then make it up me feel a whole lot worse. And at the end of the day, that's it's like it's not about the drink. It's about what you are like, why you're drinking or what you're trying to escape from. And I think um, I'm 
it makes me feel just so good to hear that you said like you're it almost sounds like you're being you're so much kinder to yourself now yeah. oh yeah and that's really what is like the main reason that i'm doing this is like i said i don't want to have another sip of alcohol until i truly feel like i love myself and yeah. that's like cheesy corny but i mean no, it more in the good. sense of like until i just i feel like i'm back in the same headspace when i like yeah. was had that quote unquote good relationship with alcohol even though i was like 17 yeah, yeah. shouldn't have yeah, any yeah. had any relationship <laughs> with alcohol but just in a good space but yeah exactly no i i don't think that's cheesy at all really i think like i've always said this and i try to like remember it more often than not is like as a humans one we need community so you have your community you have your parents you have whatever but like you are the only person you'll have for your whole life like from cradle to grave you know and so the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship you have because it's it, it you're the only person who lives in there you're the only brain that knows what happened that feeds that information um and the more that you love yourself the less you feel the need to earn anyone else's love mm -hmm. and that puts you in a really safe place when you're just acting out of true like just love and graciousness versus survival which is what like a lot of people get stuck in because we have trauma and life is is really really hard and so we cling to all these different things that people want from us or like we that we think we should be and that pulls away from who we actually are and that pulls away from your ability to love yourself because maybe you're you're putting on all these roles you're masking you're being all these people and you don't like any of those versions of yourself so then you think i don't like myself but really you don't like the person that you've been performing to be for other people yeah and and that's what sobriety is such a beautiful choice because it is so rare <laughs> So you really are, you're going to experience some like, oh, I'm not necessarily alone in this. There are so many millions of us, but maybe in your circle, you might be mm -hmm. not your dad. So that's cool. Um, my sweet dad goes between being sober and calling himself an alcoholic. So <laughs> I love him more than anything in the entire world. And he's perfect in every way, but he does drink a lot and he stresses me out, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> just because he says it, like I never around me, but he, he tells me stories and I'm like, will you just be responsible? I feel like I'm parenting him now, yep. but anyways. anyways, sobriety, because it's this kind of minority choice you're making a choice i think some something around 65 to 70 percent of americans drink but millennials and gen z are drinking like way less which is super cool um and but a lot of people drink right drinking is everywhere so by making mm -hmm. this decision to not drink you're kind of like already outing yourself you're like all right and so it kind of releases this freedom in you to be like well I might as well just do whatever the fuck I want. Like, I might as well, like, I chopped all my hair off. I had hair down to my butt for, like, my whole life. <laughs> I, I cut it this, like, shoulder length last January. And then in August, I was like, screw it, I'm cutting all of it. And I have had really honest conversations with people. I've been setting boundaries in my own life. I've created, me and my husband have really um, poured into, like, our house. We, like, paint it crazy colors we're really intentional with our life because he's he's doesn't drink either just because like alcohol makes him feel like shit like truly like he he was kind of like your dad he was the one that i always was like you're just gonna order a coke at dinner 
wow, my whole yeah. family. <laughs> he just ordered a Coke. I was like, people do that? <laughs> it's yep, a Saturday. Same. I thought you had to drink every time you went out. I didn't. And so he kind of encouraged me to, to let's be a little honest about how we're acting here. Um, and so, yeah, so what has been cool about sobriety being that kind of minority choice at first that felt a little weird and isolating, it actually gave me more confidence because I was like, well, I'm doing this because this is a decision that works for me and nobody else in my life other than my husband now, but none of my family, um, sometimes I'll have friends that reach out to me and that's great. I actually love when people like do a sober month and like need tips or whatever. Cause I'm like, I actually got you. <laughs> um, but as a lifestyle it's you know, it's pretty much just me and my circle and first and something that felt lonely has really become empowering. It's become like, this is such a, a powerful tool for me. And because of that, I'm totally okay that it's just my tool for, for my circle. Like I want everyone to discover that for them and like whatever, whatever that looks like for you. You know, some people I know, like my, the guy who cuts my hair, like allows no TV in their house. I think they only watch like DVDs or something, but like, you know, whatever protects your peace, you know, and yeah. the more that you protect and prioritize your peace, the less you care about what people think about your doing to protect that peace. You know, you're like, okay, that's fine. You guys can think I'm weird. Like, that's okay. I feel awesome. <laughs> that's so true. It's also, it, it's a reflection of how like comfortable you are with yourself and like how mm -hmm. it's and like how you let others affect you. Like for example, yeah. you, you gave that, um, you know, example of the person you unfollowed when you discovered yeah, yeah. that they were sober and it, it's yeah. such an indication of like people just are w uncomfortable when they are confronted with, you know, some like w when you, someone says like, oh, I if I just am imagining myself going back. I live in Austin normally. I'm just visiting family. Um, so and Austin is like party central, Neverland, never grow up like party. I don't think I've ever not blacked out on Sixth Street, like literally ever. Mm -hmm. So I it's <laughs> it's actually insane like I lived in New York first and then I was like nothing can be crazier moved to Austin and it's literally like every day is a frat party yeah literally um, you're mentioning literally like, like all the places I used to get wasted I had friends in New York I would also go there yeah there's yep. it's and and a big reason you know as to how why it's taking me so long to come to this decision but um, it's hard in those environments yeah I don't blame you <laughs> it's so hard and it's like even in a place as beautiful as Austin with so many hiking trails and, you know, so many other things to do, it's still like the, the concept of not going out to like sixth street or rainy yep. on a Saturday and Sunday is like yeah. beyond. Yep. And I just imagine myself going back and talking to, you know, my friends or my co like acquaintances and saying, Oh, I don't drink. Why? Yeah. Like, but you're, like it's fine like just just have a shot like you yep. know and yep. it's because they're uncomfortable mm -hmm. being confronted with their own relationship yes. with alcohol being like if you're quitting you don't even should drink that much like should yeah. i quit no yep. it's it can't be me it has to be a you thing like you're weird you know it's it's yep. or like i remember when i tried doing a dry january last year and this person who um i'm no longer friends with was said to me oh are you doing it because like of your eating disorder and I was like 
first of all, ouch. Yeah. Second of all, like, no, like I, if anything, when I was in my, a bad place, my eating disorder, I would have a couple glasses of wine because it suppressed my hunger. Yeah. So if anything, I wasn't counting like the liquid calories or whatever you call them or the empty calories. It was the opposite of I was drinking so that I wouldn't eat. And so like it was just and then and then the person, the same person was like, oh, you don't need you don't need to stop like drinking. You're totally fine. You have a healthy relationship with alcohol. And in hindsight, I'm like, how the hell do you know that you don't know what I do? Yeah. My body like I don't feel like I do. And I think just that's a big reason why we or at least speaking for myself like it's taking me so long to actually stick with this is because then I get thrown into an echo chamber of of like being a binge drinking culture where it's just normalized to blackout yep. on a Thursday and a Friday mm-hmm. and to Saturday you know, do Monday, drugs Monday. and yeah, like, yeah it's just and then you know okay. and then hangovers and Sunday scaries are kind yeah. of not There's a part of it, but it's yeah, like, it, it's now we're a gonna joke. spend ten hours in bed. It's fine. We'll order yeah. food all day. Like and it's joke totally about fine. it. Yeah, it's so funny. It's, it's like all. It's interesting because I think you know, as as you mentioned, Gen Z and millennials are drinking less, but I do think that like it's split where it's like either a lot less or yeah, a hell lot more because we're all really depressed. Yeah. How old are you? How old are you, Zoe? I'm 27. Okay. Yeah. And so that's also like. 18 to like 29 is also like the only amount, the only group that alcohol companies spend marketing on. That's it. That group, 18 to 29. There's a reason, right? You are living it right now. That was also my whole life until literally like three years ago. It's so crazy how boring I am now, but it's actually kind of nice. But it's this cycle of if we are drunk all the time, then we never have to actually face our lives or what's going on or what's happening or what we're sad about or what we're dealing with. And it's 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 not like it's so funny because people will be like, oh, you have a healthy relationship with alcohol. And you're like, if I'm drinking more than one drink a day, which is seven drinks a week for a woman, that's excessive, period. Like yeah. that's like literally a moderate drinking, according to whoever probably paid for by alcohol companies, right? <laughs> this is like saying moderate cocaine use, right? Because it's just drugs, right? We, yeah. we need to all just be aware of it. But most people are drinking three to four drinks every time they go out and we're all going out multiple times a week. But nobody really wants to be like honest about that. Like, oh wait, we're having effects from this. This is like happening regularly. It and not, I think they're making it seem like it's random, right? Like, oh, people are getting blackout drunk randomly, but it's really not. Like it was the exact same as you're experiencing for for me in my 20s too. Like, and a, a lot of people still in their 30s for sure. Like just there, there can't be a middle ground for most people because the outside world doesn't have a middle ground. Like they're like asking you to drink responsibly around a whole bunch of wasted people in places that are designed to get you wasted. So it's really hard to be the person who's like, well, I don't want to drink that much or I don't want to drink. So then you just, you know, alcohol is going to make you want more of itself. It's just what it's going to do. And so it's lonely at first because you have to make this decision that feels so strange and so out there. But you start to like really ask yourself, what do you want to spend your time doing? Because I kind of had to ask myself, like, if I'm getting drunk and blacking out, 
regularly? Do I even want to be going to the places where I'm going? Like, do I actually want this? Cause I'm getting ready. I'm getting all dressed up. We're going out. I'm looking cute. And then I'm getting absolutely wasted and throwing up out the side of an Uber or like embarrassing somebody or, you know, tripping. I'm doing all these things. I feel like shit all day. And then I have to go into work and I still feel anxious and, and everything's horrible. Do I even want to be doing that? Like yeah. what, what is the point? Like, where am I winning in this scenario for the two hours that I was wasted? Like that's that I it? don't even remember. Yeah. I don't even remember. I have, I have 48 hours here from Saturday to Sunday and like, all of them are being controlled by this two hours of time that I don't remember. That is in a crowded room with people I don't know or like. So I just finally was like, well, what the fuck do I want to be doing? Like, yeah. do I want to do yoga at night? Do I want to go to this? Do I want to take art classes? Do I want to try a workout class? Like, it's not so much that you, you'll find like, I should be doing things that are just as fun and just as it, it doesn't matter. Just <laughs> not drinking is hard enough. Like you don't have to like, win at it you just have to like start trying things for yourself because odds that. are like especially if you're 27 your brain is just finishing developing within the past two years so like who you are as a human is like solidifying and that frontal lobe solidifying it really does like the next couple of years are great so i'm very excited for you <laughs> i you. really <laughs> people get so scared of 30 30 fucking rules i love 30 nobody should be scared of it um, it, it rules because you just, you get so scared of it and then it comes and you're, it's like, um, what was that thing? It's like Y2K. It's like the world's going to end and then nothing happens. Not like literally not, you turn 30 and you're like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Who the fuck cares? And so yeah. you get to just live this trajectory that is like, okay, what do I actually want to do? Cause in, when you're a teenager and when you're in your twenties, unless you had some cool alternative parent, you most likely <laughs> tried really hard to fit in with people all the time yep. and tried to make everyone like you and you wanted to be whatever. Well, now you get to decide what you actually want. If you like the relationships in your life, if you like the boundaries that you've set, because you're, you're already setting a boundary in your life by saying like, I'm not going to do this. So people are, are going to have feelings about it. That's okay. People have feelings about our boundaries all the time. They just, like you said, they feel more comfortable talking about alcohol because they feel weird. They don't, want us to have that, which yeah. is okay. That's again, other people's emotions about your decisions are not your problem. It's okay. They can think you're weird, but like sobriety gives you this kind of moment to say like, okay, I'm going to do other things with my time. I'm going to do other things with, you know, my brain. <laughs> I'm going to evaluate my relationships in a way that like, that that works because people who like want to support you like my sister for example she drinks and she's gone sober a couple times but it's just not working for her she works so hard to support me and my husband like it's so incredible she doesn't when they drink at family functions she she kind of like hides it she gets us non-alcoholic alcohol like uh, beers and wines and i could tell at the beginning of my sobriety it felt uncomfortable for her because again my family's a lot of drinkers. It's probably uncomfortable for everybody. My sister just can't hide it because we're so close. Yeah. And I think it was probably really weird for her at first. And she didn't really know what to do. Maybe she wanted to bond with me over that, but she just wasn't ready to go there yet. Whatever. Like, it's cool. She doesn't make my sobriety something that's uncomfortable for her. She embraces it and embraces who I am in a way that, um, we both feel safe with like it's just cool to be able to be like i know this makes you uncomfortable but you're not giving me any of those feelings because you trust me to not like i'm never gonna shame someone else or decide for someone else what they should do and and i think 
when you do this with sobriety, maybe when people see it too, like in action, like I'm making this decision, I'm not doing it right now. Even if they feel uncomfortable, they do eventually respect you more. And you'll find who is really supportive of you in your life with that, which is the cool yeah. part. Some people are going to be weird. Some people might leave. I mean, that's that's annoying, but it will happen. But the people who really respect the decisions that you choose to make in regards to your healing, like that, it, that's what healing will show you. It'll be like, oh, okay, this is I'm making this really good decision for me, and look who is is coming alongside me as well to support. Yeah, and at the end of the day, those are the people. I want in my life are the people exactly who, yeah who choose me regardless so exactly. Exactly. I love that. exactly so one thing I am very bad at is cooking and not only am I bad at it but I just really don't like it I know this is something I need to work on and I one day will you know really buy a bunch of cooking books and teach myself how to navigate a kitchen but that day is not today and so I am very thankful for Sakara because as a student with a part-time job and a um, podcast and a field placement I don't have much time and I know that's an excuse I was making when I had all the time in the world but now I really don't have time and so Sakara delivers fully prepared meals to your doorstep that are healthy, nutritious, and filling. So for someone like me who needs to literally have food placed in front of them in order to eat regularly and keep up with, you know, maintaining a health, both a healthy relationship with food and also just a schedule, um, Sakara has been such a blessing. And I am so lucky that I've been partnering with them for over two years now. Um, to provide you all with 20% off your first purchase. So if you're like me and are just not able to fit in time to, you know, make a meal or are ordering out every single day because it's easier but it's dropping so much money, give Sakara a try. The food's so good. I especially actually really love the breakfast. They have like really great muffins and things that, um, are my personal favorite and I also really really love their probiotics so two very different things but you can order them all just use my code XOZOE that's X-O-Z-O-E at checkout and I'll get 20% off your purchase so give it a shot and let me know what you think um I saw sorry I'm looking because I'm for those listening I'm in Costa Rica right now and it just started raining and I've never oh seen it rain here. So I'm like sitting on this porch like, wait, what's happening? So beautiful. Um, but I saw a TikTok you posted um, where you talked about the ways in which your sobriety journey has not been linear and how it was very intense emotionally for you at times. Um, and yes. I was wondering if you could speak a little to that because so far aside from, you know, that one wedding that you talked about, it seems like it's been correct me if I'm wrong like not something that has you know been a crazy crazy traumatic right um, right. like I haven't been drinking through this time yeah yeah um yeah so I um definitely I have some undiagnosed mental illness in my family and then it became diagnosed now that I'm you know in therapy and I have a psychiatrist and stuff and so for, for a lot of people, if you have mental illness in, in any way or you have a history of it, um, sobriety may 
make that mental illness louder and harder for a little bit because a lot of people are self-medicating with whatever drug they're using. Um, and so especially, um, I know people that have had bipolar, their bipolar goes way bigger when they're wow. sober because they, you need to be, you know, these medications that exist for us are amazing. I have anxiety and ADHD and I have depression, but I'm not like medicated for it, but I, I had to really come to terms with that. I, I struggled for a long time accepting the fact that I have like diagnoses and that I've experienced these things. Um, I just, at the beginning of my sobriety, I was really focused on like fixing myself. And I saw all these hilarious TikToks saying that like, be careful when you're healing and, and getting to this healed version of yourself. It's, that's really not what it looks like. Like it's not this stopping point. And I was just like, I'm not going to be like that, but you know, we all are. So I really just, it was really great at first. Sobriety was just kind of up and up and up and up. And then I started on TikTok and I started getting followers on TikTok and that was really exciting. And so I started, um, you know, just, I just, that first year was so, um, fast that I just, I didn't struggle with drinking because I was just like healing and like, I just felt like I was just kicking ass. <laughs> um, but what I didn't realize was that I was really just kind of like achieving. <laughs> I wasn't really, kind of coming to terms with everything. I was still kind of covering it up, even though it was great. Like I was doing good things. I was doing yoga. I'm, I'm journaling. I'm meditating. I'm in therapy. Um, I don't think I had really um, explored all the ways in, in which my brain works yet. And so emotionally, I struggled with a lot of anger. I had a lot of anger built up towards my mom and, and that would just come out in general, just fights with my husband or whatever. And I realized that a lot of my anger came from anxiety. Oh, sorry. A lot of my anger came from anxiety and that anxiety came from not having control all the time. I really, really struggled with that in a way that my my inner narrative and my voice, my my head was really dark. So for, I would say for the better part of last year of 2022, um, I was really in kind of a, a rough mental health state. I'd never wanted to drink anymore, but like, my I didn't feel like I was growing so I knew that life was hard but I was like I'm not gonna drink but that's pretty much all I could handle was to just not drink and I like encourage anyone listening who's given alcohol a break or any substance is like when your body is doing that to you when you don't have any new ideas or new motivation you're just struggling like focus on taking care of yourself don't like being sober at any point in time from anything is difficult like you also don't have to achieve the world. <laughs> um, and so it was really this balancing act of like listening to myself and struggling at the same time emotionally, like this is what I need, but I also feel like I'm, I'm not taking care of myself mentally. And I just didn't ask for help for like months and months and months. And I think because I kind of expected sobriety to not drinking is going to be great for your mental health. And I also had to I also had to make some decisions as well in my life. And at the end of last year, I finally came to terms with the fact like, okay, these mental illnesses that I have, I'm gonna have forever. My ADHD I've had my whole life. Like I need I need help. Like, I just kind of was trying to manage everything on my own. And like, that's just not possible. Um, and so emotionally, it was just really becoming exhausting. I was just kind of living in my head all the time. <laughs> you get a lot yeah. more energy in sobriety and I have that, but it was like, I, I just couldn't ever 
slow my brain down. And it was, it was scaring me a little bit. I was struggling with just kind of like, I just didn't feel like I was in a good place mentally, basically. And so I got, I called the psychiatrist and I got on ADHD meds and I got on anxiety meds. And then I called my therapist again and I'm working with her. Um, and it's been one of these things where like, <laughs> I feel even better than I did at the beginning of sobriety now, almost two years later. And it's just because I asked for help. It's not even because like I'm, I'm doing some crazy thing. I just like actually asked for help. I finally, like, it's like, I finally felt like I deserved it, which that's like the part where I think we all, anybody is allowed to ask for help at any point in time ever for anything, <laughs> but the doing it feels really scary. Doing it feels like you're admitting some sort of weakness or yeah. something, but like we're humans. Like you, we can't be good at everything. You can't figure it all out. Like one person, whoever you are in, in whatever's going on, like there's all, there's a reason why all of these tools exist. There's a reason why all of these jobs exist and all of these, these things are in the world is because people need help. People mm -hmm. start doing that, you know, like, and so I don't know, I think that's been emotionally in sobriety effort. It, it was, it was crazy to me how loud my emotions were once I got sober, basically. It's been mental illness and trauma and emotions, all these things. I've been so aware of how my body's feeling in sobriety that it's been like, am I doing something wrong? But really, I needed sobriety to be aware of myself that much so I can actually get myself the help that I need. If that yeah. It's like you're actually doing everything right, which is why you're feeling that way. Yeah, exactly. I, I described it one time as like anxiety or mental illness, depression, especially like can feel like your house, you're living in a house that's on fire. And when you're drunk, you may be completely unaware that the house is on fire, but you're still getting burned. Smoke is still getting in your lungs. You're still going to die in that house. So when you wake up, maybe you get sober. You're like, holy shit, I'm on fire. This is yeah. bad right like this is bad news but you're awake finally so you can leave you can call for help you can put the fire out you can file for insurance like looking at this from a logical point it makes sense that life will seem really really intense when you get sober or your emotions may be more intense than they were before because you're you're feeling them fully completely now um and glennon with the mat something she said a really long time ago that has stuck with me i think it's in her first book is pain is not a hot potato it's not like past the hot potato you can't pass it off yeah. you just have to sit with it until it's ready to go and so so but yeah that's that's the thing about it is it pain what wherever it is wherever it comes from however many times it comes up it just needs you to acknowledge it it doesn't even need you to like totally fix it. You could, you could just scribble on a piece of paper while you're frustrated or paint or something like that. Like just exist alongside your emotions with your body and just like let them come through you and pass. And instead of just being like, oh, I want to numb them right away. I want to get rid of them. It, it really does allow a little bit more safety, even within your, your own body. Like you're talking about self-love. That's really the way to do it is to say like, this emotion is normal. Uh, this emotion is safe. Like I can handle it. Like I'm capable of handling this and my body is made to, it just, I may not believe it right now. <laughs> I love that so much. And I always appreciate a Glennon quote. <laughs> um, <laughs> a good one. I, I, speaking of quotes, I have this, it's funny cause I have it in my notes. Um, 
and it must be a quote that you said in a TikTok. I didn't provide much context, but I just have under it's like this hit like a brick. <laughs> and it was uh, the quote, sobriety is about a creating a life that you we don't want to escape from. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that and like what you meant when you said it. Yeah. On a TikTok, I'm assuming. Of course. Yeah. So I have to give credit where credit is due. Holly Whitaker said that and quit like a woman first. Um, and so what that means for me is if if we are drinking every night to, you know, escape, creating a life that we don't need to escape from means showing up authentically in all of our spaces um, as best we can. Obviously, if you work at any sort of job, most jobs are, are out facing and you kind of have to whatever. But in as many places in your life as you can prioritize your authenticity, your honesty to yourself, um, doing that, not escaping yourself in your life is how you will be able to, to not need to escape later. Because for me, my job was was really, really hard for me and I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to admit that I was struggling with that. I didn't want to admit that motherhood was hard. Um, I didn't want to admit that I didn't know what I was doing in my relationship. <clears throat> I had never had a serious relationship before my husband. So it was really hard for me to like be open and vulnerable in communication. But above all, living a life I don't need to escape from just means loving myself enough to to always it just means loving myself enough to always stay in my body and and if i want to leave if i want to disassociate if i want to run away i love myself enough to actually physically leave the situation and 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 speak up kind of like be the parent that i need in that moment imagine i'm a little kid and i'm feeling this way be the person who advocates for myself, um, regardless of of what other people may say or think about that. Because I, at the end of the day, when I'm just with me, I don't want to be escaping. That was the the part of my the part of all of this that sometimes makes me the saddest. I, I literally am crying thinking about it. Like, is the amount of times I was drunk and just alone makes me really sad because it's like. I am an awesome human. Like you should, you deserve to like be with yourself when you're yeah. by yourself. Like that's when nobody's around. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be anything for anyone. And I was so sad that I wanted to be drunk. I was so sad that I was like, I don't even want to exist by myself. I don't want to know what that looks like. And so for me, it really just means never escaping myself anymore. Never believing that I need to escape this body, no matter how intense or loud I feel, which I do feel pretty intense sometimes, like believing that like those emotions are valid and that's okay. And you deserve to feel that way. Maybe you don't need to like outwardly hurt anyone with those feelings, but loving myself enough to, to meet my needs, like where they're at, basically like say, Hey, you're feeling this way. You know, you should really maybe go take a shower or go take a walk or do yoga or journal and loving myself enough to push back on the part of myself that says like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm going to say, no, you're going to do it anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is really hard. That's the part I struggle with the most, but it's, it's kind of just this 
almost like reparenting, like saying like, I'm not going to let you escape. I don't, I love you too much to let you escape anymore. I, I heard that reparenting somewhere and I wish I could remember if it was like the Glennon Doyle podcast or <laughs> um, a TikTok, but, and I, I just love that concept Yeah. Um, because like, you know, as you, as with, I'm sure a lot of people, like my childhood was not easy and there was a lot of, you know, like, you know, families are hard. And, um, so I love the concept of the kind of reparenting the unhealed parts of myself and, mm -hmm. um, and just like listening to them and, yeah. and, and then addressing them in, in a way that's completely coherent. Yeah. And that's, I think like, it's, you know, there are, we all have like an inner child and an inner mm -hmm. teacher and, and they're going to be there's uh, recognizing that there are different parts of you is like how you can wrangle them all together. <laughs> so I was saying like, okay, I have all these different versions of me that have existed that want to show up here, but like, I'm going to be in charge. My, maybe your parent self or your highest self, however you have to, to visualize that and just say like, I want to take care of myself the way I wish someone would have or would take care of me right now, you know? And like, believing that it's it's worth it and that it will feel really really good and it, it does again like you just have to give your brain the evidence and you have to um like you said like it's it can be cheesy to talk about self-love but like when you make that the priority like when it comes from there for yourself it's like this just tenderness like it's just like oh i i know how to take care of myself really good i'm actually you know I love my husband and I love my family and stuff, but I have really learned like a, a lot of my frustrations in the past, maybe people not understanding me or something really came from me not understanding myself. And I would be so frustrated that they didn't get me this way. And why doesn't anyone get me? And it's like, well, why don't you get you? Like, yeah. we're just kind of like, why aren't, what do you want? What do you want to do? Who, what do you like? What are, what, what are your hobbies? Whatever forcing myself and even if the answer is i don't have any i don't know like forcing myself enough to try like loving myself enough to figure it out because we are all worth knowing and so like we we deserve to give ourselves that attention first and that's really like that's what's been the the funnest part about sobriety is just being like okay like and there's no off limits i just learned how to crochet and i'm like i know this is like the most grainy habit i don't care it's so fucking fun you know like <laughs> but also roller skating and falling and like just just believing that like you deserve to like find joy and pleasure in however way you want to experience in that life even if you have to like ask your five-year-old self for help like they probably have some ideas you know oh for sure i was a <laughs> I was a funny child, so I'm sure we have some very creative things to think of. <laughs> literally, literally. Solace in the City is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, uh, you know that I have seen plenty of therapists in my day. And I will tell you, as much as I you know, love meeting with each therapist, it was not an easy road to find them. And uh, if you're, you know, in the process of searching for a therapist, I'm sure you know that it's quite expensive. Um, I actually have been recently looking for a therapist who is licensed in both Texas and New York. And the average cost of ones that I come across are around $275 out of pocket for just one session, which is wild. 
So um, in the past, I have been using BetterHelp and I am obsessed with my therapist. She is amazing and has helped me through so many tough times. And I am paying a fraction of the cost of what I was paying when I was meeting with someone directly. Um, You can choose from thousands of therapists from their network. And one of the parts that I like the best, and I guess this is maybe, you know, me being a people pleaser, but breaking up with therapists or meeting with someone and not getting along right away is kind of, kind of not fun. And then it's like, it makes you not really want to continue, you know, the search, but with BetterHelp, you can easily switch therapists um, and find someone who you click with and then you can meet with them at your own convenience. So I found it extremely helpful. Um, and if you choose to, you know, check this out or give it a try, you can use my code to get 10% off your first month of therapy, which is big because it's already pretty cheap. Um, so if you just go to betterhelp.com slash Zoe, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Zoe, Z-O-E, you'll get 10% off your first month. Give it a shot. And if you uh, find your therapist soulmate, let me know. So I always wrap up with the same um, few questions, somewhat related to what we've been talking about. Like There will probably be overlap. Um somewhat unrelated. So the first question is what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? And now I've, I've started saying aside from sobriety because otherwise I feel like everyone would say that. So (laughs) aside from sobriety, uh, definitely therapy, um, therapy and medication for sure recently, but therapy is, uh, having a safe place to just like let all your thoughts out and, and, feel safe enough with someone to work through them has been, oh my gosh, I, I just, I don't, I guess I, I always thought I'm really open on the internet. So I always thought I was really open and vulnerable, but, um, I, I, like I said earlier, I live in my head a lot. So therapy has really helped me pull some of those thoughts out and not be so stuck in my head all the time. I love that. I mean, I'm a huge therapy advocate and I love what you said about like, you know, thinking you were being open because of, yeah. Like I, same with this podcast. Like I was like, oh, I'm the most open person in the world because I have a podcast, but I still wasn't admitting things to myself. Totally. So it was like I'm admitting some things to the world, but I'm choosing what I I say. Totally. Um, yeah. So I love that. Next question is, do you believe everything happens for a reason? Um, No, no, I don't think everything happens for a reason. Um, I think the world is a really beautiful place and a really harsh place sometimes. And I, I'm very like, I grew up really religious, you know, so I, I know a lot of people who are really intense on that. And I think I push back on, on everything happening for a reason and everything, you know, being whatever, because I think a lot of people make really intentional choices and some people don't, and they all come together in this gigantic swirl and then the world happens. So some really bad things happen and some really good things happen. I think that, um, nobody deserves to have a painful life, but, um, and nobody chooses to be here, but we're probably all going to experience pain. I mean, that's just kind of a guarantee of human existence. I think that's why the everything for a reason thing is there. Um, I think you should find all find all of your healing in the things that have happened to you. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't think you have to find a reason for them. I think you deserve to process what's happened to you and heal what's happened to you in whatever way. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's some people that are like, you have to forgive everyone. You have to do this. No, I don't think so. I think you just have to come to, to terms and to peace with what has happened to you. You didn't um, deserve it or you didn't, it didn't have to happen to you for you to get here. I, I experienced a lot of religious trauma that I did not have to experience um, to get somewhere. I think I could have figured out that people were bad without them doing bad things to me. <laughs> um, and so I think as long as you can find peace with the things that have happened to you, you don't have to find a reason for it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I always ask that question. It's like split 50, 50. Oh, totally. And that comes the answer. Some people are think, like, absolutely. And I'm yeah. like, I, I, because I'm in, I'm an agnostic atheist now, so I'm not absolute on anything. I'm like, I know when dinosaurs existed and I think I know how old the world is, but I don't really know anything else and I'm okay. And I'm so at peace with that. I spent the Same. first 25 years of my life being like, oh, I know everything. And this is the beginning and this was the end. And then I'm like, I don't know. You guys figure it out. <laughs> yep. You I, know? Know. I, I totally agree. Next question is, do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Probably healing is not linear. <laughs> I say that a lot. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's a mantra, but something I'm working on that something that is always a good truth for me to remember is that um, good thing take good things take time. If you can work on anything at any point in your life, work on patience because time goes by so much quicker. Anytime that I'm like, that's three months away, it's going to take forever. It goes by so quick. So if you're thinking, I'm going to be bad at something. If it takes me three months, three months is not that long. And just just working on your patience. I always work on my patience because I am the most uncomfortable when I'm impatient. So learning to sit with discomfort so I can become a more patient person has been really helpful. Just learning how to wait, learning how to how to spend time on things and not instantly want gratification. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, perfectly said, especially I think for this journey of like, yeah. it's not all going to be, you know, what is it? Roses and daisies or whatever, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's, and really being able to sit with that discomfort and just having like keeping your eyes on the prize, so to speak. Exactly. Exactly. And just being committed. I always say like, you don't have to be committed to like, never relapsing or being perfect. You just have to be committed to the f taking care of yourself and what that looks like. Like, I want a future version of myself that is X, Y, Z, that that does this or, or write out all the things you want that you when you think the healed version of you, what does that life look like? Okay, I want that as long as you want to chase that person every single day, like you'll get there because you're you're co-creating a life. So many people get so obsessed with like the falls or the slips or the trips or whatever. But it's like as if you if you always return back to yourself, if you never let it go, you know, be, just be aware. I, I still struggle with like staring at TikTok way too much. And it like really does get a little destructive for me. So I just have to be like, hey, you're on your phone right now. Hide your phone under a pillow, you know, just having enough awareness to myself to come back, just come yeah. back as often as you can and ask for help. When you can't come back to yourself, you should always ask for help. That's agreed. It's just the biggest one. <laughs> what do you love most about yourself? Oh my gosh. I love how, um, gosh, I think that I am 
really capable of accessing the kind of silly childhood version of myself. I love playing with my daughter. I love playing like just games. Like I love being, I am really bad at drawing. So I love just coloring shittily. Like I love just, just, I love um, being creative in a non-performative way. That's like how I, I can really access that part of myself be because I'm not good at singing or anything like that. Like I can just be really, really silly and stupid and it makes me so happy. We dance like every single day. And so I would just say my my ability to access um, joy is something I, I feel really connected to and really thankful for. I love that. How old is your daughter? Two? She's two and a half. Oh, that's so She's cute. It's like, I, all parents say that, but like, she just can talk a lot and she has a cute little voice and she'll say, I miss you, mommy. And I'm like, oh, I miss you too. Like, that's, what are you supposed to do? I, that's like a quick, I mean, a quick side note before my last question, but one, I was listening to a podcast, um, about sobriety and, and the woman being interviewed was a new mom. And she was like, you have no idea how great it is to, you know, when your kid wakes up at like three in the morning and you're not hung over like that yeah, is yeah. huge and I was like wow I didn't even think about that because kind of on the same realm of like you know if I have kids I'm like post I'm sure I'm gonna get postpartum like mm -hmm. based on my track record it's definitely in the yeah, cards yeah. yeah and I don't want to be a mom who you know has to have like four glasses of wine exactly. and wait for the husband to come home and then have a screaming child and then take it out on the child. Like a huge part of the reason I wanted to become a therapist is so that I can be the best parent for my child yep. down the line and yep. have open communication. And so I think removing alcohol is so important in that sense as well of like, I don't ever want to have like drunk rage on a, on an innocent little being. And exactly, exactly. So I think it's, um, I mean, you're a great testament, just like how much love you have for your daughter and the playful, you know, things you do with her is just gives me a lot of hope yeah. and excitement for if that day comes. Yeah, it's so worth it. Yeah, it's Dak Shepard talked about how he used to go on um, like trips with his friends and he would be jealous that they were drinking the night at night and then in the morning all of them would have to be hung over parenting and he would not be. And he'd yeah. be like, all right, sucks to suck. And that's truly parenting. That's the thing that sucks too about wine mom culture is it's so big and everyone's like, drink, 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 wine, mommy, mommy's juice, whatever. It, it makes parenting so much harder. I cannot even imagine parenting a toddler now. Like I gave up drinking when she was only four months old. And I, I can't even believe I did it then because yeah. she didn't sleep through the night. Like you said, 3 a.m., it's crazy. And um, yeah, you're exactly right. I, my daughter does not deserve a mom who yells at her or spanks her or is mean to her when she makes mistakes. She deserves a mom who is patient and kind and compassionate and just guides her through the world. And to be that kind of mom, you know, I deserve to to also have mm -hmm. good mental health. And that's that's a big reason why I take care of my mental health is because, like, I deserve it. And and she definitely does. You know, she she didn't have a choice in being here. So like dare I like traumatize her you know I just am like I I take my job so seriously that when it's like oh my gosh like when I when I am zoning out or not being there I'm like oh my gosh of course yes whatever you need <laughs> that's so cute she's just the best my last question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city and city can be you know Fort Worth or it can be 
some higher power or whatever you want it to be. Right. Totally. Uh, definitely, uh, moving my body outside. Well, maybe not even move my body, just being outside. I love me and my husband call it lizard time living in Texas. It's pretty much like you can get a sunny day at least once a week, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I love being outside. I love taking my daughter for walks or just going to like, you know, like nature centers or whatever. Um, that it, it is like, it recharges my batteries doing that. Um, and just, yeah being outside. I love it in any form or fashion. That's kind of how it does it. And like journaling and um, listening to music for sure. I just like to, um, whenever I can get in a space where I just exist, where my mind isn't like trying to be on my phone or watch TV or something. And somehow that always happens outside. So <laughs> amazing. Well, yeah. Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And you were the first person I reached out to who and oh first one who responded, so that was a win-win. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> um, where can everyone follow you, uh, learn more about you and your uh, sobriety journey, and just plug yeah. everything? Yeah, I'm I'm Chrissy Rodriguez. <laughs> I'm Chrissy Rodriguez. That's the username, mm -hmm. at I-M-C-R-I-S-S-Y-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z on TikTok and Instagram. Um, that's pretty much all I do. Uh, so follow me over there. I, yeah, I just love to make content. I'm doing dry January series right now. If anybody is doing the dry January thing. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again and bye everyone. 